Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of A Brand Girl Talks with Artsy Joey. I don't know why I always start it off like it's a YouTube video but yeah bear with me. So today we're going to be ranking Shakespearean women as in like in the plays not in real life that would be kind of weird. But yeah this is gonna be a two-part episode because I mean the guy had a lot of plays and I haven't watched all of them. I've watched like, I think 17. So yeah, let's just dive on into it. Correction, it's actually 15 plays, but that's still quite a lot of Shakespearean plays. So yeah, I downloaded this, it's like, Netflix but for plays and stuff and it's like called Marquee TV. This is not a sponsor, I read their terms and conditions and you have to make sure it doesn't sound like you're being sponsored by them so I repeat this is not a sponsor but yeah they have like all the Shakespeare plays so I was watching it on there and also it's got Lady Windermere's fan which is good because I'm doing that as one of the A-level things in English literature which is basically like I don't know how to explain A-levels for people who aren't in the UK unless if you're in India then it's I think it's called plus two I don't know yeah something like that and yeah so I've been watching a load of Shakespeare plays in the past for a while now because the Globe Theatre was putting plays on their YouTube channel as well so I've been watching a lot of Shakespeare plays in the past couple months so in this episode there's going to be nine well actually technically ten women but two of them are in a pair so it's technically nine that I'm ranking. It's not yet ranking. The rank scores are going to be in the next episode because then there's going to be 18, technically 20 people that I can put into a tier list. And basically, I'm going to be ranking them out of 10 for each category. So it's technically out of 30. I'm making no sense. But basically, you can receive 10 points for the amount of power they have, 10 points for the amount of iconicness they have, and 10 points for their personality. That's kind of a little bias, the personality bit, because, I mean, you could love them and I just find them the most irritating person ever. But we'll find out. Not gonna lie, it kind of sounds like Top Trumps or like those kind of cards. And if this podcast gets big, I guess that's gonna be the first kind of merch I'm gonna make. Not gonna be called Top Trumps because that's probably copyrighted. But you know, some kind of like scoring cards. Yeah, that'd be fun. I wouldn't mind that. They probably already exist. So I've got my sister's musical theatre top hat filled with the nine woman or pair in and I'm just gonna pull one of them out and it's Imogen she's from Cymbeline by the way I know it's not a very known play but we'll get into that so I'm gonna start each ranking thing with me trying to tell the play's story in one minute and yes I'm gonna use a timer don't worry and if I don't get to finish what happens in the play you'll never know how it finishes and you might just have to go watch it so this is kind of me trying to get you into Shakespeare plays, I guess. I'm sorry if you didn't ask for this, but yeah. So I'm gonna put one minute on the clock and try to retell the whole of Cymbeline in a minute. I'm just saying, most of Shakespeare plays are like three hours long, so get ready for some quick speaking. Actually, I'm gonna do it in two minutes because I tried it in one minute and that is impossible. So I've got two minutes on the clock and let's go so there's this king called Cymbeline and he and his wife died so he married another person who's now queen and he's got he had a daughter with his last wife called Imogen and Imogen loves Posthumus but like Posthumus is lower class so the new queen and King Cymbeline's like no you can't marry him we're gonna say to marry the queen's son Clotin and Clotin's just a bit dumb, he's not the greatest, and I can't read my notes. Um, so then they're like plotting to kill Posthumus, so Posthumus runs away to the Roman army which they're fighting against at the moment, and he meets up with Iachimo, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Iachimo bets that he can sleep with Imogen, and Posthumus is like, no, and Iachimo's like, every girl's a bit, you know, promiscuous, and 
then he kind of like makes Posthumus quite angry and Posthumus agrees to that and says he'll give the ring that Imogen gave him if he if Iachimo manages to sleep with Imogen. So he goes there and back to the castle to find Imogen and he doesn't get to sleep with her because she's good and she's great. And then, um, but he manages to steal her bracelet that Posthumus gave her and he brings it to Posthumus and Posthumus is like, no, we need to kill um, Imogen. So Imogen runs away into the forest dressed up as a guy who's called Fidel and she runs across two random guys in the woods who turn out to be her long lost brothers, plot twist, and then she falls asleep because the queen gives her a sleeping draught, draught, something like that, and she wakes up to, oh, what does she wake up to? You'll never find out. Oh, sorry, but yeah, okay. Honestly, I think this place should be called Imogen instead of Cymbeline, because Cymbeline's barely in it and it's all around Imogen, but like, Imagine a play called Imogen. In my notes, I gave her a power of seven because like she's the king's daughter and she manages to run away and find people. But in the end, it's all based around who she loves and that she's being overpowered by someone else so she has to run away. But seven's still good, so like, yeah. Iconicness, I gave her a one because no one knows Cymbeline. I honestly got confused of Cymbeline with Thumbelina the fairy tale. I honestly didn't know Cymbeline existed until I watched it, so that takes her score down by a lot because like one point for iconicness. And her personality I'm going to give a seven because I said that so poshly. She's she's alright. Yeah, she's nice. She's funny sometimes, but then the play takes a really dark turn that kind of messed me up. It's, it's quite dark towards the end. Yeah, because of what she wakes up to, what you will never find out. Oh, yeah, it's quite disturbing. And especially the play that I watched, there was so much blood and just gore. And it was like, Ugh. but anyway, she yeah, she's all right. So overall, that gives her a 15 out of 30, which is like half, which isn't. No, I'm kidding. That's that's quite bad. But yeah, it's quite good for someone you probably never heard of. And now we're back to the magical hat. What's it gonna provide to us next? We'll find out after the- imagine. Imagine. No. Okay, what am I gonna get? It's Hermia from A Midsummer's Night's Dream. Yay. That also means that I'm going to be doing Helena and Titania next because it's easier just to explain the story ones. And the stopwatch is back up for A Midsummer's Night's Dream and I'm gonna press it now. So Theseus and Hippo- Hippolyte- I, I can never say this, Hippolyta, Hippolyta, I'm just gonna carry on, are about to get married and they ask Aegeus uh, for entertainment for the wedding and Aegeus wants Hermia to marry Demetrius but Hermia loves Lysander so Hermia and Lysander decide to run off into a forest and Hermia tells Helena because they're like close friends and now Helena loves Demetrius so she tells Demetrius this but Demetrius loves Helena. Oops, I meant Hermia here, not Helena. So they all run into the forest and they try to find each other. And now there's this like fairy queen called Titania and she's returned from India with this very good looking boy. And that that's not what I think. That's just what they say. Anyway, um, and Oberon, who's this magical king, wants the boy to become a knight, and Puck, so Puck, Oberon's magical fairy assistant, puts magic potion onto Tanya's eyes to trick her into loving whatever she sees first, and Oberon also said to put it onto the eyes of this random Athenian boy who's supposed to be Demetrius because he's just being really rude to Helena but Puck accidentally puts it on Lysander and then Lysander ends up falling in love with Helena and then to fix everything Puck's like okay I'll just put it on Demetrius so now Demetrius and Lysander are like trying to flirt with Helena Hermia's all hurt and Helena's like what are you trying to be mean to me because I'm ugly and you're just making fun of me and then everything becomes fine but then 
Titania falls in love with Nick Bottom, who gets an ass for a head, and it's weird. And then, so they... Oh, okay, time's up. You probably already heard the story anyway, though. It's one of the more famous ones. Also, I edit whilst I'm recording. Well, not exactly whilst I'm recording, in between each take, I guess. No, it's not a take, because I'm not repeating it. It's just each phrase, not... I expect you kind of get what I mean. Between each like sentence structure, that's a paragraph, but not because you're speaking. And I'm sorry beforehand that I'm not editing between the two minute frames of when I'm trying to say the story, because otherwise it's not going to be two minutes. And that's why there are massive gaps in between each sentence because I always have gaps in between sentences which is weird because you don't really hear that because I edit them out because I don't like them that much and it's also so that you don't have to listen to my voice for like two hours yeah also do you hear how much my voice is already going because like I'm speaking so quickly in two minutes quarantine has got my voice not being heard that much that sounds metaphorical but I'm being literal yeah so for Hermia, I gave her the power of seven. That sounds like a weird power, like the power of seven. But no, because like, yeah, she's got a basic amount of power because she's choosing who she loves and which wasn't really that common back then for women. And yeah, she decides to run it off into a forest by herself and her one love. Why did I say it like that? I don't know, to get married. And I gave her iconicness a seven because like, yeah, people know her. Midsummer's Night's Dream is a famous play. And I gave her personality an eight because yeah, she's cool. She's like quite strong-willed and stuff, but like she does get a bit mad when all the guys like Helena instead of her and she like threatens Helena to fight and stuff. But Helena's all like, I, they're just making fun of me. Stop. Yeah. So altogether she got a 22, which is, it, it's good. For Helena, I gave her power-wise five because like she can't choose who, well, she is choosing who she loves, but he doesn't love her back and she gets all sad about it. And her iconicness is also a seven because like everyone knows Hermia and Helena together. And her personality-wise, I gave her a four because she's quite whingy and she always gets upset. So altogether she got a 16, which is like, which is alright. And then Titania, I gave her power-wise a 7 because, yeah, she is a fairy queen and everything, but she does get spelled for most of the play and she's just a bit loony because she's under, like, a magic thing and she's fallen in love with this guy called Bottom and his donkey head. And he, she's all like, wow, he's beautiful. He's not. Iconicness-wise, I gave her an 8 because I feel like even if you don't know her name, you've probably seen a picture of her before without realising. And her personality, I gave her a 7 because she's she's quite funny while she's like under the enchantment of being in love. And yeah, she's quite a funny character and she's, she's quite sweet as well, even though she's like powerful. She's got like all the great personality traits. So altogether, she got a 23. So she's currently in the lead with Hermia close second and then it's Helena and then it's Imogen. Next up we've got Mistress Ford and Paige from Merry Wives of Windsor. The Merry Wives of Windsor is going to be quite hard to explain in two minutes because there's two recurring, occurring, not recurring, that would be very boring, storylines going on at the same time so yeah let's see how this turns out. And the timer starts now. So basically there's the pages and they have a daughter called Anne Page and they want her to get married soon. The mum wants her to get married to Dr. Caius, who's this French guy and he's quite funny. And the dad wants um, her to marry Master Slender, who's quite old and a bit gross and a bit dumb. And But no one asks who Anne wants to marry, who's Fenton, who's slightly lower class, so they're like, no, you can't. Then there's the other storyline where Falstaff, this random guy, wants to try and seduce two married women. So he chooses Mistress Ford and Mistress Page. And he writes two letters to them. Two of 
both of them being exactly the same. So they realise it soon when they show the letters to each other. And then their husbands find out and they're like, well, Master Page is like, yeah, sure, my wife's fine. But Master Ford is quite jealous and he's like, my wife is totally going to fall for this random guy who's not the cleverest and is old and just not great. So he disguises himself as Brooke to talk to um, Falstaff. And Falstaff says how... Well, so Mistress Ford and Mistress Page are like, sure, we know Falstaff's just being a bit annoying, so let's trick him. And they have a good laugh and they decide to invite Falstaff over and he tells Brooke, who's a master Ford disguised as Brooke, and that he's going to go visit um, Mistress Ford and... No, yeah, Mistress Ford and Falstaff goes there and gets hidden in a basket to be chucked out when Master Ford arrives. And then Caius and Sir Hugh Evans decide to have a fight, which is funny because he's Welsh. Not that sounds, I'm not going to leave it like that. It's funny because it's a French person and a Welsh person and their accents. It, it's like this funny plot line. I just went 10 seconds off. I should have like a forfeit. Nah, let's not have a forfeit. I gave Mistress Ford and Paige, because I'm doing them together because they're kind of like, they're always together and it's funny and they're great friends and stuff. I gave them a power of eight because Sir Falstaff wants to seduce them because they look after all of their husband's money and stuff. So they have control over that. They consistently trick Falstaff and Ford and it's quite funny, so they have a lot of power during the play. Iconicness, I gave them a three because I feel like people may have heard the play before but totally don't know who Mistress Ford and Mistress Page are. And personality-wise, I gave them an eight, which I personally think should be higher because they're so funny and they trick. That It's just, it's a good laugh, but I'm keeping them at eight because otherwise it's gonna mess everything up. So altogether, they've got a 19, which is decent. It's almost at 20, it's almost two thirds. So yeah, so that means they're currently placed in third, which is good for now, but trust me, that's going to change. Now we're on to Cordelia from King Lear. I feel like for sure I'm going to finish this in two minutes because there's not that much that happens in the play, but we'll find out. I could completely be wrong about that and just made a fool of myself. So yeah, let's find out. The timer starts now. So... There's King Lear and he's got these three daughters, Goneril, Regan and his youngest and most favourite, which is a bit rude, Cordelia. And so he asked them, which one of you loves me the most? And Goneril and Regan are like, we love you so much, dad. Give us your kingdom and money. So he does, because it's all superficial. And Cordelia's like, yeah, you're right. You're cool. And then Leah disowns her because she's, like, not making him feel special or something. So Goneril and Regan uh, do what Leah says and they get part of his kingdom and stuff because he's retiring from being king. And they don't do what Leah says because um, he wants to keep a hundred men with him at all time, which is just a bit unnecessary and I honestly feel like they did nothing wrong at that point. But yeah, he's like, you're rude. I'm going to go live in the forest because you people are horrible. And he just slowly goes mad. And he meets this guy called Poor Tom, who is actually this... Um, Legit the legitimate son of Gloucester called Edgar and he runs away into the forest because he is trying to be killed by his illegitimate brother Edmund who's trying to take away his stuff and Edmund gets involved in a love triangle with Goneril and Regan and Regan no Goneril tries to um murder her husband or something I don't know and Gloucester's eyes get gouged out because he's trying to help Leah. Then Goneril tries to poison Regan because of Edmund. And then Leah dies because Cordelia... <laughs> I can't speak. Because Cordelia dies. Yeah, 
I just wanted to say that because that was practically the end of the play and I almost did that in two minutes. I'm quite proud of myself. Even though now I realise that I missed quite a few parts of the play, so yeah. You can still go watch the play if you want. It's also a bit gory, that one, because of the gouged out eyes and there's blood everywhere and murder and yeah. I gave her power-wise a five because even though she does become one of the main leaders of the French army, which I forgot to mention, which is quite a big part that she goes to France because she's banished by her father. That was quite a big point, but yeah. The French army gets captured by the English army, which is run by Goneril and Regan, which is not the greatest. And also because like she's literally banished from her own kingdom because her father is really superficial. Yeah. And also because she's like barely in the play anyway. To be fair, I probably should be doing this on Goneril and Regan because they're the main people in the play. But like, yeah, they're just a bit evil, aren't they? Honestly though, I kind of feel like Brothers Grimm took a lot of inspiration from Shakespeare because like with Cymbeline, she literally runs off into the forest, meets some banished people who live in the forest, like the dwarfs in Snow White. She falls asleep like Snow White because she's given a potion from her evil stepmom. Yeah, it's practically like Snow White. And like with King Lear, it's kind of like Cinderella with the ugly stepsisters even though they're not stepsisters and they're not ugly and the play that I watched they had really nice cloaks and stuff and I really want their cloaks just because I want a cape you know do you ever get that feeling I was gonna do that for my prom outfit because I was gonna buy a pantsuit jumpsuit thing I did in the end but like I'm not gonna wear it anywhere now am I am I but like it had like a small hint of a cape because I said I was gonna get a cape but everyone said it was unpredict not unpredictable What's the word? Unnecessary. No, that's not the word either, but I'm just gonna go with that. I honestly really want a good cape, because the capes in King Lear that they use in that play version, they're so nice. They have like gems and stuff on them and they swish and it's just so cool. Why am I fangirling over capes? Help me, I've been stuck inside the house for too long. It's really showing itself. Where was I? Oh yeah, Iconicness, I gave her a 7, which I really think now that I think about it, should be an 8, but yeah, 7 will do. And then personality-wise, I gave her a 7 because she's like truthful and honest, but she's like barely in the play anyway. So altogether, that gives her a 19, and she's joint with Mistress Ford and Paige at 3rd. And back to the magic hat. Do you have anything to say for yourself? I'm literally going mad as a hatter. Hey, did you see what I did there? Uh, oh my gosh. So next up is Lady Macbeth. I feel like Macbeth is one of those plays which everyone says they've watched but haven't. Don't worry, I've watched it now. And like, I honestly think people are like, oh my word, I literally love Macbeth. I said that so poshly, I'm sorry. I cringed at myself. It's all right, I guess. Unpopular Opinions with Johanna comes every week. Stay tuned. I honestly think I'm going mad. Like, someone needs to send help. I'm kidding. Yeah, sort of. But anyways, oh, before I start the timer, I honestly feel like I'm gonna mess this up, but we'll find out. The timer starts now. So there are these three witches and they do the whole, you know, that famous speech. And they... Uh, and then King... See, I've already messed up. So, they predict that Macbeth is going to become Thane and then become King. And so, and they produ produce, predict that Banco is going to be on the line of kings but will never actually become King. So, they go to King Duncan after they defeated two armies, which is quite impressive. And surprise, surprise, King Duncan promotes Macbeth into becoming a thane, which becomes true. And then he's like his wife. He writes his wife, Lady Macbeth, a letter. And he's like, so I became thane and the witches said that I would. And they said that I'd become king too. And Lady Macbeth is like, cool, let's try make you king then. And Macbeth is all like, Sure, um, I'm a bit 
confused. I don't know if this is true, but Lady Macbeth is like certain that it's true. So she's all like, why don't you kill King Duncan? So they do. And then King Duncan's sons flee because they're scared that whoever killed King Duncan is going to kill them too. And then um, Macbeth kills Banco and there's this ghost because he's scared that he's going to become king next and his ghost kind of scares him and he gets all like paranoid and stuff. And then Lady Macbeth kills herself because she thinks she's killed people and she's this, you know, the whole dream sequence where she's like, I've got blood on my hand and it's not coming off. And then he goes to go fight Yep. I did absolutely nothing in that and that was so messy, I'm sorry. I think it's because I don't really remember Macbeth that well because I didn't like it that much so I didn't really pay attention that much which is probably a bad thing. But yeah, so I gave Lady Macbeth power wives nine because she's literally like pressuring her husband. She practically is in control of her husband but like I only gave her a nine instead of a ten because she's basically has this whole monologue where she hopes that she'll become a guy because she doesn't have enough power as a woman which is sad but true for back then so that's the only reason why it's not 10 but like she's powerful iconic wise she's so iconic i gave her a 10 because like everyone's like lady Macbeth. i've got a spot on my hand i've been caught red-handed and you know that stuff and persona wise i gave her a six because i don't know i just find Macbeth quite boring. I didn't like many of the characters apart from Banco's ghost. Yeah, that explains a lot. But yeah, so altogether that's a 25. That's a pretty good score there. I mean, what did you expect? It's Lady Macbeth. So, so she's currently at first place. Yeah, like 25 is a pretty good score. Oh my word, I, why do I keep saying that so poshly? I completely forgot to include quotes that were my favourite quotes, so I'll do that at the end when it's during my favourite section as well as something else. I'm quite annoyed that I forgot that actually because I spent quite a long time compiling some good quotes. But anyways, let's carry on. Oh, now we're at the penultimate person and it's going to be, well, for today, there's going to be a whole nother nine in a week's time. Stay tuned. And the person is Portia from Merchant of Venice. I feel like this is another play that everyone says they've watched but really don't understand how anti-semitic it is. Like it's horrible, it's quite gross frankly. Like they literally forced Shylock to convert to Christianity at the end and like they're just so, especially Antonio, he's just so anti-semitic to him and it's just, it's disgusting. Okay, let's start the timer. So there's this guy called Antonio and he like sells goods and stuff and he's sad for no reason because he's a crybaby and I just don't like him. But it's probably because he's in love with Bassanio but obviously they can't say that because it's Shakespearean times and they were homophobic. Um, so Bassanio wants to marry Portia, right? And I don't know why I'm like acting like you're gonna answer but he wants to marry her and he needs like the money, what's it called? A diary in order to win her over, or so he thinks. Um, and he asked Antonio for the money, but Antonio's like, I can't at the moment because all of my money's at sea because I my stock's at sea at the moment. So instead they decide to go to Shylock, who's this Jewish moneylender, to lend 3,000 ducats with no interest and Shylock's like fine okay I hate you but sure but if you don't give back the 3,000 ducats I want a pound of your flesh yeah so they yeah that happens and yeah and basically at this point Shylock's um servant goes to work for Bassanio and Jessica his daughter decides to convert to Christianity and marry one of um, Bassanio's friends, Lorenzo. So I understand why Shylock's feeling quite upset. So they go to um, Belmont to win over Portia and it's quite cool because she has this whole like quiz thing with three 
caskets, caskets that her dead father put in place for her to get married and whoever gets the right answer gets to have Portia to be married and stuff. But Portia's like, I really like um, Bassanio. I hope he chooses the right thing and kind of like hints at it. And um, then they realise that... Oh, that was so short. You only heard like not even the main parts of the play. So I'm just going to say Antonio's ships are supposedly lost at sea and uh so that means he has to give a pound of flesh and Shylock's like I want this and then there's this whole cross-dressing thing and Portia pretends to be this man of law and she's really cool and she finds a loophole in it and yeah that, she's really cool I really need to stop going over time just because I want to but like you wouldn't understand any of the play if I didn't because I only told you that like beginning like 20 minutes power wise I gave her an 8 because like she's really knowledgeable and she finds loopholes and everything and she's just so cool and obviously knowledge is power so she's quite powerful um iconicness I gave her an 8 because I feel like people know about Portia or know about that one woman in Shakespeare play where she dresses up as a man to become a lawyer. Shakespeare loves cross-dressing with women because like it was the whole thing that women weren't allowed to play on stage back then so it was always like young boys playing the girls so the fact that the boys were dressing up as girls, dressing up as boys, it was just like a cool like funny thing and yeah I feel like she's quite iconic. Personality wise, I gave her an eight because she's she's funny and she's cool and yeah, I, she's so cool. I love her. She's like one of my favorite Shakespeare people, even though I really don't like The Merchant of Venice, which is quite weird. But yeah, she's cool. So overall, that gives her a twenty four, which places her at second, which is also really good. Twenty four is a good score. I'm speaking really fast. I'm sorry if you don't understand anything I'm saying. Okay, let's slow down a bit and because we're on to the last one, which is Ophelia from Hamlet. I honestly, I honestly love this play so much, so I should be able to do this from memory, but I've got notes anyway, just in case. Let's start the timer. So basically there's this ghost that Horatio is shown by these watchmen looking out from the castle area, and Horatio shows Hamlet because it looks well, the ghost looks a lot like his dead dad, who was king, and then was overthrown. Well, not overthrown, was taken over by his brother, um, who's now the next King Hamlet, I guess, but it's Claudio, right? And he marries King Hamlet's, ex well, wife when he was alive, a Queen Gertrude. And basically the ghost says, I was killed by Claudio Hamlet. Take revenge, bro son dude anyway and so Gertrude and Claudio are getting a bit worried about Hamlet because he's mourning a lot because of his dad and his mum just married his uncle which is quite weird so they send over Rosencrantz and Rosencrantz and Gilderston who are his friends from like college or whatever the equivalent was back then and but Polinia, pol, 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 I can't speak. Basically, this guy is like, it's probably because Hamlet is in love with Ophelia, right? But apparently not right now. And so Claudio spies on Hamlet, who seems like he doesn't like Ophelia. And then Hamlet gets visited by these actors and he makes them play in front of Claudio. And it's basically the same play about, it was practically them reimagining Claudio killing Hamlet and Claudio leaves and he's all upset and he's like we need to kill Hamlet and Hamlet goes and tells Gertrude his mum everything and she's like what and he accidentally kills Polynus that guy Ophelia's dad and Ophelia gets all upset and commits suicide yeah and then Laertes is like that's my sister yeah and everyone dies the end <laughs> yeah. So I gave Ophelia power wise a six because her life practically revolves around three men. Um, Polin Pol I can't pronounce his name. Is it Polonius? Polonius. There you go. Um, her dad, and then Laertes, her brother, and 
Hamlet, her love interest, kind of, it's a bit weird, but yeah. And she's basically controlled by them, but she does make some of her own decisions, because, like, Laertes and Polonius allow her to most of the time, but then after they see that Hamlet's literally mad, they're like, maybe you shouldn't hang around this guy, he seems like he's gonna do something bad to you, which ultimately happens because she commits suicide because he kills her dad. Yeah. Um, so iconicness-wise, I gave her a nine because it's Ophelia from Hamlet. They literally like made a film about her, what, like last year or the year before that? I still need to watch that. Uh, and persona-wise, I gave her a 7.5 because I feel like her character development of her being like very playful around her brother and her dad towards being slightly mad at Hamlet when he tells her to go to a nunnery, get thee to a nunnery. It's just a great phrase though, isn't it? Even though it's quite sad when he's using it and he's a bit mad. And then she slowly gets angry and then Polonius dies and she's just gone mad and then commits suicide. But like, the character arc is pretty cool. So yeah, 7.5. This is the only one that has a 0.5. I just couldn't decide between seven or eight. I thought I thought seven was a bit low, but eight was a bit too high, so 7.5, there you go. So altogether that gives her 22.5 points and she's at fourth, just below Titania and just above Hermia. So that brings us to the end of ranking Shakespeare women for now. Tune in next week for the rest of the nine women and their rank scores and who's at first, who's at the bottom, we'll find out next week. Why am I making this so long-winded? So now we're on to podcast-worthy mentions. Let's go. I really shouldn't love that stock audio that much, but like, it sounds like stuff you should know. I know I keep mentioning them, but like, I really love their podcasts. So yeah, yeah, I love that sound effect. So the first podcast worthy mention is going to be my favourite Shakespeare tragedy, which is, but I'm not going to talk about it that much because I talked about it last time. It's Hamlet. So cool. Great. Love it. Favourite version, Robert Icke version, because Andrew Scott's in it. Yeah. It's cool. Just go watch it. It's like incredible. If you can find it somewhere. The next podcast worthy mentions are going to be what I forgot to include during the rest of the episode which is my favourite quotes from each person that I just talked about because I was a bit stupid and forgot to talk about the quotes that I like that I spent ages researching so here are some of my favourite quotes. Let's go from the current top of the list to the current bottom of the list. It'll obviously change next time when there's like nine new people but let's do that. So first up Lady Macbeth and I think my favourite quotes from Lady Macbeth or like her most famous and like iconic quotes have to be out damn spot I say because like that's when she has the red spot on her hand and she's like I've murdered someone I can't get rid of this from a guilty conscience and um come you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe top full of desire that de- de- what? Direst is direst a word? I think it's supposed to be desirous. No, it's direst. Cruelty. And it's like quite sad in that quote because she's all talking about how she wished she was a guy and so she would have more power and she would it would be more acceptable for her to feel this cruel because like women weren't supposed to feel like that. But you know what? They did. And you know what was also just a bit weird for back then is that Lady Macbeth had so much control over Macbeth and she called him coward, art thou feared, too full of milk of human kindness, which just means he's like too nice. She literally questions his manhood saying, are you a man? And she says, unmanned in folly. And it's like basically saying, man up bro, which is practically toxic masculinity. But I think she's coming from the place where she wishes where she wishes she was a guy so she could do that. So she's quite upset that her husband's not doing any of it, which is still toxic masculinity, but I feel like she has a little bit of reasoning to it. 
Next up is Portia from Merchant of Venice. And I think my favorite quotes from Portia is, I mean, she has a very pretty quote that says, how far that little candle throws his beam, so shines a good deed in a naughty world. That, that's just a really nice quote. And then obviously the famous quote, the quality of mercy is not strained, which is like talking, which is, in context, it's probably talking about Christianity, which is just a bit bad for the anti-Semitism in it. And then my favourite quote that she says, which isn't like poetic or anything, but it kind of shows her power, which is double 6,000 and then treble that before a friend of this description shall lose a hair through Bassanio's fault. First go with me to the church and call me wife and then away to Venice to your friend. For never shall you lie by Portia's side with an unquiet soul. Which is like, it, it just makes her sound so powerful, which is so cool. And she just, yeah, she sounds like a boss. Like, she's just cool. Next up is Titania and my favourite quotes from her are what angel wakes me from my flowery bed which is quite funny because she's literally waking up to the bottom with a donkey head. Yeah and then after she after she wakes up from the spell she's like me thought I was enamoured of an ass which is just quite funny. Next is Ophelia and my favourite quote from Ophelia was, oh, there's a couple. I think when Hamlet breaks out into a fit and he's all like, get thee to a nunnery, you're just gross, go away, I don't love you, what are you talking about? She's like, I was the more deceived. Like, she just ends it with that. That's like the only phrase she says and it's, it's sad. And then when Hamlet goes mad and says he doesn't love her, she's all like, oh, what a noble mind is here overthrown. The courtiers, soldiers, scholars eye, tongue, sword, the expectation and rose of the fair state, the glass of fashion and the mould of form, the observed of all observers, quiet, quiet down. And it's, it's quite sad because she's practically saying Hamlet's lost it and like he was an incredible person, he could have done so much, but like he's gone mad. And like when she's gone mad, she's like, young men will do it if they come to it. And it's so sad. It's like men just, it, she's basically just saying men are the worst. And if men want to do something evil, they'll do it. And that's so sad. She's just let down. Next up is Hermia. And my favourite quotes from Hermia are, So will I grow, so live, so die, my lord. Ere I will yield my virgin patent up unto his lordship, whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty. And this is so cool, because she's like, how dare you try to rule my soul? I'm the ruler of my own soul. Like, no man's gonna rule that from me. I can do what I want, and I can love who I want. And then she all, I think she's also the only one who thinks something happens once they wake up from their weird sleep when after Lysander and Demetrius are going after Helena. And she's like, methinks I see these things with parted eyes when everything seems double. And I think she's the only one who realises that, which is quite cool. Then it's Mistress Ford and Paige. And I think my favourite quote from both of them, well, technically Miss Paige, which practically sums the whole play up is, wives may be merry and yet honest too, which just sums the whole, the merry wives of Windsor up in a quote. Then Cordelia, she's all like to her father, I love your majesty according to my bond, no more, no less. So basically, she's telling King Lear, yeah, I love you, but like, I'm not gonna flatter you like you're the only thing I love. Like, I'm about to get married. I'm gonna love who, whoever I marry to. You're not gonna be the only person I love, like whatever Goneril and Regan said about you. And then the penultimate one is Helena. And I think, did I choose a quote for her? Yeah. This kind of sums her up and it just shows how much I don't like her. She's just a bit petty and she's like, I'm so in love with you, I'm not gonna be able to live if I'm not with you. She's all like, I am your spaniel. Yeah, I know, right? That's a bit weird. And Demetrius, the more you beat me, abusive relationship, I will fawn on you. That's gross. Use me but as your spaniel. Spurn me, strike me, neglect me, lose me. Only give me leave, unworthy as I am, to follow you. Like, what? Girl, dump him. No, just leave. That That's an abusive relationship. If he's gonna beat you and stuff, why just stop?
stop. Like, for real. That's like Stockholm Syndrome. That's not good. And there's a helicopter flying over the house. Or it's an aeroplane. Now we're on to Imogen and honestly I love this quote. It's used against Clotin because Clotin's all like, why don't you love me Imogen? Why do you love Posthumus instead of me? I'm so much better. And then Imogen just strikes him with, he never can meet more mischance than come to be that named of thee. His meanest garment that ever hath but clipped his body is dearer in my respect than all the hairs above thee. Were they all made such men? So she's basically like, his clothes are better than you, bro. Like, level up. Clotin gets so, like, upset about it. And, like, throughout the play, as he slowly just becomes even more dumb, he just keeps going on about the fact Imogen caught him worse than Posthumus's clothes, which is quite funny. And, yeah, that brings us to the end of podcast-worthy mentions. And now we're on to facts of the day, because everyone wants more than one fact. Why just have one fact? The first fact is that, did you know that Shakespeare created the name Jessica? That's honestly been my go-to fact since I was like seven. I'm such a nerd. Anyway, and yeah, it's basically Shylock's daughter in The Merchant of Venice. She's called Jessica and that was the first time the word name, person, name, what am I doing? Jessica was used. That's cool. So if you're called Jessica, now you know where your name came from. You're welcome. What am I doing? To be fair, if you're called Jessica, you probably already knew that. Did you know that Joey means God will increase? Because I did not know that because that's just a nickname everyone calls me. So yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. But like, obviously it also means a baby kangaroo or a baby koala. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. It's because they both live in pouches. I know, right? Baby koalas live in mother koalas' pouches. That's cool. Sorry, we're going a bit off topic with the facts. Where were we? Ah, Shakespeare facts. Did you know that during 1585 to 1592, Shakespeare just went off the grid? No one knew where he was or anything. There's no records about him. And most historians call that the lost years because like they're literally lost. Like no one knows anything about what Shakespeare did then. Third and final fact of the day, unless if you're counting the two random facts I gave you about my name, then this is the fifth and final fact. It is believed that Shakespeare died on his birthday, the 23rd of April, 1616. But like Shakespeare's birth records are really weird. I think there's like two days of which he could have been born. So he could have died on his birthday or he could have not we don't know but I think there is a percentage of the likelihood of you dying on your birthday and it's higher than dying on any other day of the year so look out for whoever has a birthday soon I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding let's not jinx anything like that that's a bit creepy but yeah it's true so yeah that's the end of today's podcast I hope you liked it we managed to hit the 45 minute mark I know it's crazy right and I think we might even reach 50 minutes we'll see if this plug-in is gonna be long then maybe but anyway you can follow me on instagram at artsy joey at pinterest at artsy joey at tiktok at artsy joey I don't know why you would though I never use it uh what else is called Artsy Joey that I have? I have Twitter and Facebook at Artsy Joey, but like I never use it, but you can follow me there anyway. I have an Etsy which just reached 34 sales, so I just hit the 30 mark of the amount of sales I made on Etsy, which is so cool because I really didn't think I'd make it that far, but like I go on about this every time. So yeah, you can find me on Etsy at Artsy Joey Co and you can support me by like buying my stickers and bookmarks and I just got a range of new bookmarks out actually and I'm really proud of them because they're magnetic and they have old book covers that don't worry, they're on the public domain so they're not copyrighted and they're so cute. I love them, they're, they're cool, yeah. I have all sorts of stuff on my Etsy. I have pins, I have like badges pins, not like those pins that you stick in what are they called? Like cork boards. I have a red bubble at Joey8412. Don't get 
why you'd want to go there, but you can if you want. I made my first sale on there. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure it's my great aunt, which is nice. That That's nice. Apparently, it's not my great aunt. It's my... Oh, no, it might be my great aunt. I think it's my great aunt. I've been calling, because we're Indian, I call everyone my aunt and uncle, but apparently my parents' second cousins, oh wait, no, my parents' first cousins aren't my aunts and uncles, they're my first cousin removed. Yeah, first, second cousin removed? First cousin, I don't know, my sister told me and I had the mind blown and you probably all think I'm stupid or something because, like, you, you're not an ethnic minority where we all call all of our elders aunts and uncles but yeah also i've got a bit of a listener mail right now and it's not really it's just my friend correcting me on something i pronounced wrong in the last episode of tchaikovsky's death and it's that i pronounced tchaikovsky's fiance's name wrong and it's desiree not desiree i think i pronounced it desiree but all in all you have to admit that desiree arito does not sound Russian. It's got three accents. It's French. It looks French. You can't even know. It's French. It's not Russian. If you want to message me to say that I've done something wrong or you just want to have a chat or you just want me to answer one of your questions, whatever you want to do, if you want to message me, either DM me on Instagram at artsyjoey or leave a review at iTunes and I should look at it. It's just that I don't own any Apple devices so it's a bit weird that I downloaded iTunes onto my laptop and I just have it there. So yeah, I'll, I'll be able to find it. Just leave a message and a review. Hopefully a nice review, you know, that'd be nice. Yeah, cool go do all those fun stuffs of following me and stuff. This is becoming very narcissistic. But yeah, see, that was a very loud motorbike. But yeah, see you soon with part two of ranking Shakespeare's woman. And yeah, that should be fun. You'll get to know who won and who lost really badly because I'm telling you next time there's going to be someone who literally gets the most little amount of points ever it's like it's terrible yeah see you soon with another artsy joey a brand girl talks episode bye